0: This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning and their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games and practices and storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So to stay up to date on all of the excitement surrounding the NHL as well as the Tampa Bay Lightning, be sure to download that Odyssey app. Hit that auto-download button after you search Pucks and Bolts and all brand new episodes will just be sitting there waiting for you. You'll even get some fun notifications, but also within this good news, guys, you can stream Pucks and Bolts on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Share with friends share with family, share with other hockey fans, because who doesn't want to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and everything they have going on? Guys, I am your host, Casey Hudson, and it's time for us to get into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Now, last time we chit-chatted, we talked about the Bolts getting ready to head out on this extended, lengthy, possibly tiresome road trip. We know that once you get into the second chunk of the year, expectations change, trajectories change, and I will say this, the Lightning had a lot of home games on that first front. They will be on the road a lot more. So this first road trip is going to be very telling for the guys who kind of came off the road with a 9-9 and record last time we talked here on Pucks and Bolts, and Coach Cooper made it a point to say there's going to be a lot that has to be proven on this road trip. Uh, to get things going, though, we will say that Nick Perbix, after having a hell of a performance versus the Blues on Saturday, got a little banged up after taking a big hit towards the end of the game. He's listed as day-to-day, and he did not play yesterday versus the Seattle Kraken, which takes us into a quick little Kraken recap. Now, I would have loved to open this episode and say, Stammer hit 500, guys. It finally happened but it has not happened yet. So that's what you're anticipating to go down in this recap. I hate to disappoint you, but that's not it. On another healthy note, your girl's back on caffeine, and I'm so ready to dive into the magic, I have to say magic, that the Bulls produced yesterday. Opening up, painting the picture of yesterday's game versus the Seattle Kraken. It was an early game, 4 o'clock over on the West Coast, and uh, Coach Cooper said this, First statement at the end of the game. We, prayed a, we played a pretty complete game, to be honest. Now, this is the fourth straight win for the Bolts, and starting off this road trip, the Bolts are two and zero with three games to go. I have to say, why did I point out that statement? Because I couldn't agree with Coach Cooper more. We've talked so much here on Pucks and Bolts about the Lightning coming out and having fast starts, letting up in the second, revving things back up in the third, or having a solid first period and. A better second period and letting up in the third. And Coach Cooper said before they hit this road trip, third period has kind of been problematic for these guys. They haven't been able to close out, they haven't been able to come together and play a defensively sound game. And so for him to open up post game and say, We played a pretty complete game, I could not agree more. So, first and foremost, the Bolts commanded the first period against an outstanding team. Seattle's been on a hot streak of eight. Wins and they started to ramp up their offense. They're starting to really find what lines mesh together after doing a bit of their shuffling. And we saw when they came over to home ice that they had a pretty good game to piece together. It just seemed like there was still a disconnect and they were heavily relying on maybe one or two guys to get the job done. Health is now on their side, chemistry is now on their side, and it has shown in their record over the last two weeks. With that said, goaltending has started to to step up tremendously. When the Seattle Kraken came down to Amelie Arena to face off with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning almost made it look easy, but a lot of that came down to the guy between the pipes. Philip Grubauer started off in that game, ended up getting pulled for Jones to come in. And of course, as a goaltender, you're playing catch-up on trying to get in your groove, get in your rhythm. So I think that was a lot of what played into the Bulls' first victory versus the Seattle Kraken. Now, heading into this game, the Bulls were 6-9 and heading into the first power play of the game. And with this game, it wasn't a hyperly penalized game. They only had collectively five power plays amongst both teams. And while special teams didn't really strike hot in either direction, it was great to not see a bunch of mistakes play out on the ice and this turn into a heavily special teams game. This was a hard-fought battle of five-on-five. Uh, the Kraken also have one of the worst PKs in the league. So we were hoping that the Lightning were going to capitalize on those opportunities, but it was not necessary. Now, first kind of looking at this game, watching it in real time, and then going back and watching the highlights, what stood out to me the most is the fact that Anthony Sorelli is going to be crucial for this team in the stretch. He opened up with a lot of good chances. His press was so impressive. And I have to say this, if you heard, have not heard me brag about Anthony Sorelli enough, Something that stuck out to me tremendously yesterday was the fact that Sorelli can play such tight coverage and not rack up all these penalties, not draw up all these penalties. You can really not get a a dirty call on on him at all, but he is irritating on these guys. I mean, he stays so close and his stick is all over the place, but in the right ways and his timeliness and his vision of keeping the puck in sight so that he can maneuver off of his guy and get back in play is just brilliant to watch. So that was something that stood out to me in that first period because it really came down to the guys between the pipes on both sides. Vassy had a hell of a performance yesterday. Philip Grubauer did start back between the pipes and had a solid 40 minutes uh, that he really kind of made it tough for this Bolts team to rack up offensively. As the first period started winding down and the Bolts were very much in control. As I mentioned earlier, they outshot the Kraken 15 to 6. And they did so well at removing the neutral zone from the Seattle Kraken. It was as if they couldn't find a flow for a minute. But their forechecking is pretty solid, which is what kept them in this game. But as, this, as the period winds down, you've got Corey Perry who gets puck possession and, and fights this hard-fought battle against the boards, brings in a pass to Ian Cole. Ian Cole rips a heavy slap shot, and it's Bellomare that tips it in. And the funny part is that after the game, Bellamere like, well, that's not, I'm not really that skilled player. I'm not really that guy, but it was the perfect distance from the slap shot to me to be able to maneuver my stick, to have that tip in. But you know, that's not my normal thing. That's not my go-to, but I will say this Bellamere is underestimated in so many ways guys, because belly has such a strong and unique defensive element to his game. Watching him in the third period yesterday, there were so many moments where there was, a, there was a giveaway by the Seattle Kraken. And even though he wasn't the one initially with the puck possession, when the puck would go back to the Kraken, he was all over the ice, body on the ice, trying to create chances to get the puck back to his teammates. He can see the puck in such a inopportune moments for the opposing team and still get it on the stick of his teammates, which I think is crucial, which plays a huge role as to where he sits on the line and how he helps that line. So Bellamere deserves so much credit. So while he thinks he's not that skilled guy to make those maneuvers and to have those kind of goals, the fact that he can do it says a lot about his game and says a lot about what he brings to this team and don't underestimate Belly when it comes to his defensive efforts. Then you kind of move along to this scoreless second period. A player that stood out to me in this second period has to be Alex Kalorn. He's another guy that had a heck of a game because he's starting to his confidence not saying that Alex Glorin isn't a confident player but sometimes it takes him a minute to get his legs underneath him and to kind of sit in the element of who Alex Glorin is and what he brings to this roster and his team this is a guy that's played with most of the vets on the team for his entire career and it says a lot because that's why they'll move him to certain lines and see how he can spark and generate an offense on that second line or sometimes even that third line he's said some high praises about being on the same line with Steven Stamkos who wouldn't. But I think that when he does play with stammer, it elevates his game to a whole nother extent. You're seeing more confidence. You're seeing less overthinking. uh, You're seeing less tight holding of the stick that you were seeing probably the first month and a half of this season. So gotta give a shout out to killer for a hell of a second period. And then moving on to the third period, because as I said, second period remains scoreless. The third period is where the action really dialed up. Not too far in, you've got Nick Paul, who does it all, who finally gets the Bolts to a two-goal lead. And what was so crucial about this goal is the fact that I have talked so much here on Pucks and Bolts, If you guys have heard me discussions with Kaylee, discussions with other people. It's. Those third and fourth lines are crucial to be involved. You don't want to wear out your top two lines, even though they are your skilled lines. And this is a team that's always done well with kind of distributing, you know, they're making sure they're not exhausting their lines and distributing efforts as much as possible because they have the skill set. And in that, you've got Ross Colton, Nick Paul, and, um, Pat Maroon, excuse me, guys, all in that same third line in that most recent Cooper shuffle. And I think that this has kind of been a dynamic changeup for these guys. Nick Paul, again, somebody who's such a plug. You can kind of put him anywhere. Great two-way player. But then you've got Pat Maroon, who's got such a veteran presence. He brings of formidable physicality to the ice, but don't count him out because as a lefty shooter, he gets in some nice angles as well. And he started to pick up in the assist and scoring and column ever since uh, they got back from their last Buffalo and Boston road trip. Then you have Ross Colton, who has a heavy shot, who's finally fi- finding his stride on the ice. So I think they're starting to gel so well. All that to paint the picture of. Maroon's forechecking, Maroon bringing such physicality to the Seattle Kraken, wearing them down against the boards, forcing mistakes almost. And then you've got this pass up and Nick Paul gets possession of the puck as it was Vince Dunn that overskated the puck. And he has this beautiful turnaround shot on goal right above the glove of Philip Grubauer. And it was a momentum swing for this team. Getting that level up goal, giving that extension, kind of lets you know you're doing the right things at the right time, build and kind of like now dig your heels in. And I think that's exactly what the lightning did. They used Nick Paul's goal as a momentous swing. They dug their heels in now. While we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning here on Pucks and Bolts, I'd be remiss to not mention Seattle Kraken players that you know also put up a hell of a game. You got Jamie Alexiak, and then you've got So that made it very difficult for this Bolts team to just kind of go off the hinge there. It could have been a huge second period for the Bolts if it wasn't for the outstanding four-checking efforts of the Seattle Kraken. And of course, you can't talk about the Kraken without talking about Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord put up so much effort and yesterday's game. But I think something that kind of is unfortunate, but also humorous to the great sport of hockey is that you get to go up against former teammates all the time. And Yanni Gord may know some tricks about Vasilevsky, but Vasilevsky also knows all of Yanni Gord's tricks. And so a lot of moments you just kind of saw two teammates that understood one another, were able to deny one another. And it was a great matchup to see, especially in that second period heading back to that third period though, Nick Paul racks up his 16th goal of the season. Something you guys have to keep in mind is if you haven't taken the time to dive in and go look at Nick Paul's career, just look at what it means to be relentless after your goals and your dreams and to really hang in there, not know when the moment of takeoff will happen. Because when you look at what he had to do in the AHL, when you had the see the buildup and the trajectory that he was on when you see what his big seasons used to be. And then what he's doing now for the Tampa Bay Lightning ever since he got here last year, it's been tremendous. This is why Nick Paul is locked into the Tampa Bay Lightning for the next eight years. Paul, after his beautiful turnaround shot on goal, let's put this in perspective for a second. Nick Paul is on his way to his first 20 goal season of his career. His first the guy that we have seen, this majestic creature on the ice, this unorthodox skater, is now on track to have his first 20-goal season. And I think, obviously, this guy's going to surpass 20 goals, which also puts a picture in, in place of Braden Point being at 23-24 goals, where the top scorers on this team are. And then Nick Paul, he's not far from the top. He has been crucial for the Tampa Bay Lightning team. Um, and then... On that note of the Bolts and guys that are hitting other marks, then the empty netter starts to rack up later on in that third period. Brandon Hagel, if you didn't know he was fast, now you should know how fast he is. Breaks past two cracking sweaters, gets an empty netter. And I know that seems unimpressive because it's an empty netter sometimes, but it's the form and the fashion in which he did it, guys, and which puts Brandon Hagel creeping up the charts with his goals. Brandon Hagel now sits at 17 goals, not too far behind his line mate. And he is creeping up there and getting that much more confident in his strides. If you guys did not catch my one-on-one conversation post-practice with Brandon Hagel, be sure to head over to pucks and bolts and catch that. You just kind of get an insight to his humility and his humbleness. Not that any of these guys are unhumble. They're a very wee organization, which you love. It's just, it's the identity of hockey, but The things that he's learned on that top line, the things that he is working on in his own game, just making sure that he's accessible and doing what's best for his line. And also just the fact that he's this underrated physical chippy guy who can also dial up the heat, turn up, hit the wheels and pick up this speed to think about the speed that him and Braden point actually have contributing on that top line is extremely impressive. So it's always nice to see Brandon Hagel get on the board and kind of have his identity in that top line there, gets that empty netter, and then comes to the last empty netter, which was Victor Hedman. This one gave me a bit of a laugh, guys, because first of all, we want to see Hedman on the board. You always want to see a heady goal. This is a defenseman that gets rave reviews for everything that he brings to this game, being an unorthodox defenseman, being so unique and unmatched, honestly. When he's healthy and he's having one of his best seasons, there's really no one around the league that you can talk about to this extent. Maybe Carlson. I know Maker is one, but, you know, there's not a handful of guys that you would compare to Victor Hedman. And they still have different styles compared to Heddy. But it was Victor Hedman who tried so hard to get the puck back to Steven Stamkos to try to land 500 in the empty netter. But the Seattle Kraken kept taking away the middle of the ice. And then once it bounced back, Heddy got it. He tried to dangle it and hold on for dear life. And then it ends up just securing the empty netter, putting the bolts up, Four to one. Now, biggest takeaways from yesterday's game. I opened up talking about the fact that Coach Cooper mentioned that this was a complete game for the team. This is tremendous because they're doing it on the road and they're doing it basically at that halfway point of the season. The Bolts closed out playing a quality defensive game and they were doing it without one of their top defensemen being Nick Purbix. And if you guys think that that's a bold statement, I want to hear your feedback on it because Nick Purbix has. Solidified himself as an asset to this team, as an asset to the pairings. You saw there was an adjustment point there for Mikhail Sergachev on the ice without his counterpart. That's the chemistry you want to see in your deep pairings. That's the chemistry you want to see with more than just one deep pairing. Cole and Chernak team seem to have a rhythm going. Perbex and Sergeyev have a rhythm going. Hedman's that guy they rotate that people out with, but him and Bogosian are pretty steady, Eddie. You want to see this at this point of the season because in certain tight contentions, especially if you don't have a bunch of special teams racking up and it's this even battle at even strength, your defense is going to come in strong for you. They have to be able to close out games. And that's what this defense did yesterday. They closed out games. You're starting to see more defensemen in that assist tally at the end of every single game. Zergachev walking away with an assist. Cole walking away with an assist. Like I said, Perbix on Saturday, two assists, one goal. And I think he's just getting started, especially now that he knows he's going to be here for another, I don't know, two years. So, Biggest takeaway from yesterday is that Bolts closed out playing quality defense, and as Coach Cooper said, they need to play sound defense to close out any of the games. They didn't need that third goal, but they got it, and they were able to protect the lead and not give up another goal or three, which we know is the no-go for Coach Cooper. Another point out or takeaway that I have in this is the fact that there was no high giveaways or takeaways The bolts were pretty even kill here. Five giveaways, five takeaways, but they're not hitting those double digits anymore. Now, in a weird way, it seems like they rack up takeaways in equivalence to how many giveaways that they have, but you don't want to see that because the competition is just going to get tighter here. You're going to start seeing people's best, team's best at this last leg of the season, and if they have a bunch of giveaways, it's going to be a huge issue for them, and it's going to wear Vasilevsky out in a way that you don't want to see before playoffs. So it's great to see a battle like they had yesterday versus a quality Seattle Kraken team, and they had no high takeaways, no high giveaways. I would love to see the takeaways hit double digits and the giveaways stay below double digits. Might be a big ask for right now. We'll see what happens when we get back from All-Star Week in this lengthy road trip as well. The next takeaway that I have from yesterday's four one victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning is uh the Non extravagant amount of penalties, no stupid penalties either. It wasn't a bunch of high sticking and hooking or interference calls. It wasn't anything that was going to take momentum away from this team or you know resist them from building chemistry across these lines. As we know, Cooper likes to shuffle up here and there, and that third and fourth line. I think they continue to need some time. Uh, they're starting to find their way. I think that if they're not playing a super special teams game, that that's only going to help contribute to wins in the rollover game and the game to come after that. So not having a bunch of penalties was huge for this game, especially because the last matchup that these guys had, it, things did get a little testy. And you saw some of people, some of these players' patience tested yesterday, but it didn't turn into anything that was going to send a bunch of four-on-four opportunities for either of these guys. So I love to see the discipline on the ice yesterday, along with the defensive effort and the giveaway and takeaways total staying low. Also, on that note of light penalties or almost no zero penalties, not none. Um, the Bulls PK is six for seven over their last three contests. So this PK unit was very questionable when it came to October. Again, this team was still kind of trying to find their way. They were also trying to navigate the best deep pairings uh, working in between Calfoot. Flurry. Uh, that's when we had Philip Meyer still on the team. So now that they're able to weed out and condense what this core group is going to look like, it's helped the defense step into its own, but then also this PK unit. I mean, you've got veterans on this PK unit like Eric Chernock, who is tremendous when it comes to blocking shots. Um, he's getting ready to hit a career high between hits and block shots, something to keep a lookout for guys, but shout out to the bolts PK unit, six for seven of their last three contests. And overall, I could not I could not agree more with Coach Cooper, a very sound top to bottom game, 60 minutes of hockey that this team was able to pull off a 4-1 victory yesterday versus the Seattle Kraken. As you guys know, this road trip is going to continue. The guys hopped on a plane after this victory yesterday and headed up to Vancouver to have a rematch with the Canucks. Uh, On their way up to Vancouver or before they take off Vancouver tomorrow night. The Lightning are just two points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs for second place in the Atlantic division with two games in hand and have the fourth highest points percentage in the NHL at 0.679. So just something to keep in mind as the guys head over to Vancouver. But before we talk about Vancouver and this rematch let's get into some cherry pickers. We cannot move on from any game without giving shout outs to guys that play their asses off. And I mentioned a few guys. This is always a hard one for me to pick and be consistent about because my mind always goes to my favorite players on the team. And yes, it's hard not to have a favorite player on the team, but to be honest, I think I keep this simple and go with Nick Paul. Not only did he have a beautiful shot, early in the third with that, turn, with that turnaround shot, but it's also the fact of what he means to this team, the energy he brings to this team, and a guy who's on trajectory to hit a career high of 20 goals in a season, and we know he's going to surpass that. I think it's a shoe-in for Nick Paul. Um, something else I will say along those lines is that Paulie's that guy who just, he always tends to be the momentous swing for this team. His name may have not been, you know, rattled off as much this past month. He still has been wrapping up in the assist column. You also have to take into account the fact that he's been one of the top guys that's been moved around from second line, third line, you know, second line, third line, back and forth. So to not have a consistency at what line he's going to be playing within and kind of being that move-around plug-in guy, he's still contributing on such a high volume. And once that stability comes in after All-Star Week and this team kind of solidifies that core, as I mentioned moments ago, I know we're going to just see a whole nother level of Nick Paul. So Nick Paul being that momentous swing, extending the bolts lead yesterday in such a timely manner and a pretty fashion there. He's going to be my cherry picker. Let me know you guys' thoughts when you watched yesterday's nice, even strength battle between the Seattle Kraken and the Tampa Bay Lightning. which players stood out to you the most? Was it Alex Killorn? Was it Pat Maroon? Was it Nick Paul? Was it Brandon Hagel? Uh, Nikita Kucherov. You can never not talk about him. Higgs did have a two-point game, so I will give him an honorable mention as well. But we always want to hear from you, Tampa Bay Lightning fans, uh, your favorite players, your standout guys, and what you thought of that matchup. And then that brings us over to a quick little preview of the Tampa Bay Lightning rematching versus the Vancouver Canucks. Now, last time we chatted about these two taking on one another, it was the mere fact that there was a handful of players that the Tampa Bay Lightning needed to not underestimate. The Vancouver Canucks are sitting middle of the pack and just, it's a very scary place for them to sit because they're skilled enough to surpass the standings, but it's one of those things to where if they go up against top goaltenders, it can be problematic for them. Within that, they did give the Tampa Bay Lightning a run for their money on home ice. The Lightning nearly, nearly escaped with a 5-4 win. And it wasn't even them that opened up the scoring. It was the Canucks that opened up the scoring, which we know can kind of change things up. So the first period wasn't particularly entirely in their favor. Again, it comes down to those bottom two lines to get things going. It was Corey Perry that leveled the scoreboard there big second period for the lightning as they put up three goals to the Canucks one goal. And then it was the let off the gas slightly. And that third period, Stammer gets a goal, Hughes gets a goal. And then, you know, it goes back and forth from there. Last time we talked about these two teams, it was none of those guys that I talked about. It was Bo Horvat, who I said, please keep a sharp eye on Horvat is a, I think very underestimated in the league right now. I mentioned on the last episode that we previewed this game on pucks and bolts that Horvat is going on, you know, the going through the season with contract issues, which can cause some, you know, mental instability and chemistry stuff on the ice. He does not racking up in the assist column, but he's still sitting high top of the charts within that Vancouver organization when it comes to goals as well as points. So, somebody who wasn't able to particularly get on the board but did rack up two points in the assist call is going to probably want his piece of the pie when they get to host the Tampa Bay Lightning this time. As always, Patterson is an issue, somebody to look out for. And Hughes, the Hughes brothers are on fire right now. Quinn Hughes is a sneaky, sneaky guy. He's more physical than he gets credit for. He's got a great eye. And he doesn't just rip the the typical shot that you're going to expect from him so if he does get an ability to set up and put a goal or put a puck on net he's going to go for that top shot so also depending on who's between the pipes tomorrow night versus the Canucks whether it's Vassy or the Moose which I'm banking on it probably being the Moose after the performance Vassy just had uh, that could be an issue if defense doesn't come in and play tight as I said Nick Perbix is day-to-day right now, so I think it would be tremendous if he's not on the ice because of how he contribute and how he helps shut down and hold that blue line for this Pulse team. But I still have faith that they can pull things off. They just have to play another solid 60 minutes of hockey because this Canucks team is going to be looking for their victory, and what better place to do it than on home ice? Something else I need to hear from you guys, Lightning fans, is will Steven Stamkos finally hit 500? I wanted to open up this show... So bad, and say Stammer did it 500 when they get back, they're celebrating. But when you have such pressure, such as that 500 goal that we have been waiting for for weeks now uh, to, to land in, it's really hard for the setup. And you also don't want it to just be any kind of goal, not that it's going to be this flashy, ridiculous thing. I bet it's going to be a Steven Samco's power play one timer that sends them to 500. But let me know you guys' thoughts. Is the Vancouver Canucks game where Stammer finally hits 500? They do have back-to-back games. They turn around quickly and face off versus obviously a tough Edmonton Oilers team. Is that where Steven Samkos gets 500? We will be breaking that down. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Pucks and Bolts so that you guys know all team coverage. When we have new episodes out, when we have new guests, we mentioned that we will be having a lot of exciting guests on from beat writers from other teams to top media people within the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. And so on and so forth. So in order not to miss out on any of this, you want to download that Odyssey app. You want to follow Pucks and Bolts. You also want to follow us at Pucks and Bolts on Twitter. You can also follow me at the sports case. That's K-A-S-E to keep up to date on all of this stuff. I'll be retweeting everything, putting the clips there. So stick with us guys, because we have so many exciting things in the pipeline for Pucks and Bolts and hockey season is just getting started. Also. Voting closed yesterday. We will find out shortly, did Braden Point make the cut to get in as an all-star snub? I had a whole spiel about that. Got a chance to also ask Brandon Hagel about NHL All-Star Week and snubs. And, you know, he said it just as well as I did you can't have an HL all-star week without Braden point. He's put up magnificent goals this week. He is in conversations with the Tage Thompson's and the other, uh, I don't want to say flashy because Braden points, not a flashy guy, but he does put up flashy goals and we're seeing a whole nother level of uh, let's see, let's say dog in his chest that we haven't seen beforehand. You're seeing more celebrations after he scores these goals, more personality from probably one of the most humble, quiet guys on the team. So That information will be coming out soon. We do also plan on having a fun NHL All-Star Week episode where we kind of break down top skills throughout the league, and maybe we can get some interesting guests on for that. So also let us know your guys' thoughts uh, about NHL All-Star Week, NHL All-Star snubs, guests that you may want to see on the show, questions that you have for your favorite players, because as you guys know, When they are in town, when they have practice, we get a chance to have one-on-ones with your favorite players. And we don't always want it to be the statistical, what'd you do on the ice stuff. These guys have some of the biggest personalities in professional sports. And now hockey's just getting to the point where we get a chance to share that with you fans. So any of your favorite players, shoot us a message over at Pucks and Bolts or my personal Twitter. I'll be sure to get that in the conversation. For practice, the guys will be flying home Saturday, which means they probably have a practice Monday where we get a chance to sit down with one or two of your favorite players and bring you more of those mini sods. So stick with us, guys. Follow us at Pucks and Bolts, and we will catch you next time here on Pucks and Bolts. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.